Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 13 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled Transhumanism, Part 2. Our teacher is Alan Smith. Amen. Good morning. Wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. We will be headed towards Revelation chapter 6. We're not going to begin there, but we're going to head there. And if I get there, then you will know that I'm making progress. If we don't get there, you know I talk too much. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we do pray that you'll be with us today. And we're so honored, oh God, that you give us this opportunity to be in your house with your people. Lord Jesus, I don't claim to know any more than anybody in here. But Lord, you've given me the opportunity to stand here and to bring ideas to your word. And it's my prayer, oh God, that these ideas that your people will search them out, they'd be like the Bereans. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room and watching online will have a, a working uh, relationship with you about your word for revelation and for understanding in these days that we're living. And we'll thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As in the days of Noah, uh, we, we can see that we've been on this topic, as in the days of Noah. It's kind of a big topic. covers covers a lot of time, a lot of territory. But we know that uh, we are in these days now of Noah. And... Uh, but as we're doing this study in the scriptures today, I want to hit a lot of uh, different things uh, to get started here. I'll just have to do a slight review, not much of one, just a slight one uh, to get our uh, minds in this, uh, in this vein of thought again. But as in the days of Noah's words, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And we're all looking forward to that coming, uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ. We know that it is uh, right upon us. And... We're continuously having this battle of our uh, senses, if you will, or our uh, a bit of reasoning with this uh, event called the second coming of Christ. How could it be so? And the only, reason, the only thing I can say is if the first one happened, so can the second one. And we know that the first one did happen, and we're looking unto uh, this second one. If you don't have problems with the first coming, you shouldn't have any problems with the second coming. So you can see here that it says in the, the days of Noah gives us an understanding of Bible prophecy. And I'm going to get into that uh, a little bit. I will talk about the Nephilim just a little and what's happening in humanity, uh, transhumanism. And as we're moving and our destination, the reason I gave you uh, Revelation 6 is where we're headed is the Antichrist. Just so you'll know, what does all of this mean? Where's all of this heading in Scripture? And uh, it gives us the, the uh, what's happening in our world today, the spirit of the Antichrist will precede the Antichrist. And so we have the preceding spirit of the Antichrist. Antichrist meaning Antichrist, anything that's against Christ. It also means the, uh, I will venture to say this, 
uh, it's almost like he's trying to be Jesus's twin brother, but the opposite. That's that's basically what the Antichrist is. He's trying to be Jesus's twin brother, but actually the the opposite of that. Now, what does this warning mean? That's what we're getting into now today. Now, post flood. We, see, we know that this is true in Numbers 13, and I'll not go through all of this, but just a few little references to bring us back into our place here. Post-flood Nephilim, the report of the spies, everybody knows that one, uh, the report of the spies. And uh, they say we saw these giants of the son of Anak, uh, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. So you, if, you're a gra- if you feel like a grasshopper to someone, I know we know Goliath, they claim was 12 foot. I don't know who was there and measured him, but but that's what, there's a lot of claims to that on uh, what, how tall he was. Now, if I go by a grasshopper to, to this human, uh, there means that there were, I'm not saying Goliath wasn't, but there's possibilities of being bigger, bigger giants in the land, uh, even bigger than him. And then in Numbers, we see that all the congregation uh, lifted up their voice Say, well, Alan, why is that important? Well, listen, there's something. It had to be pretty big to bring them to this conclusion, is my point. Something had to really be massive. It had to be big uh, for the people. It says they cried and the people wept, it says. We went into last week a little bit of uh, transhumanism, the new hybrids. Uh, I went over how uh, the new word today is trans. It was more of a verb, I guess you could say, but now it's turned into a noun. It has its own definition in your new dictionaries. If you look up trans, it automatically goes to transgender and trans, all of this stuff. So it's, it's already created its own definition, even though you've got transatlantic flights and you've got all kinds of trans. Uh, but yet if you look it up, that's that's what it comes up in the dictionary this day and time. So we can see that how it's taken over the definition. And then we also got the definition of transhumanism. Uh, uh, what does transhumanism, the new hybrid, we went over that some last week, just a little bit. Uh, transhumanism is a social and philosophical movement devoted to promoting the research and development of robust humans, enhancement technologies. Such technologies would uh, augment or increase the human sensory reception emotive ability or cognitive capacity, as well as radically improve human health and extend human life spans. And so we all can say that we're, we're into some of that, but yet it can go awry. So here, transhumanism, we have a lot of different ways. We went over last week. We went into the genetic of things, and we went into the microbiology. If you want more on this, you can look at last week's where microbiology is a study of, uh, of viruses and bacteria. And we know that um, since, like in Ukraine, we know with the Wuhan lab, uh, people are, are, have run into this truth that you've got these labs all over the world. I think Ukraine had something like 12 uh, labs, like was in Wuhan. And you can say, well, the United States was with the, those labs. Uh, these type labs are all over the world. It's not just... Wuhan, and uh, and the United States has their fingers in most of them, to be honest with you. And what happens with that? The idea is is that you're keeping up with viruses of a particular area, 
You're coming up with vaccines. It's in humans as well as animals. Your animal vaccines, uh, in all honesty, if you did not have vaccines, you probably couldn't have chickens in chicken houses. You couldn't have herds of cattle. You couldn't, have, you couldn't, all of your animals, when you get them together into a herd, then you, you have these huge problems of viruses. Uh, and, and humans are also animals, I guess you could say. And we're the same way. You congregate us, uh, then you have a problem with viruses. And the more people you get together in one place, the more of a pollutant you create. It's just, just what it is. That's the reason things that are small are easier managed when it comes to cows, uh, animals, uh, humans. Any living um, uh, human or animal is better managed in small numbers than in large numbers. So, But anyway, the microbiology, these labs uh, are everywhere. Could they be used in the wrong way? The answer is yes. We all know they could be used in the wrong way. We got robotics. We went over that some last week. You got uh, AI or artificial intelligence. Refers to systems or machines that mimic human intelligence to perform tasks and can improve themselves uh, based on the information they collect. And so transhumanism is these factors and these things are trying to create kind of a, a what we call a superhuman. Uh, now, these animals... And, and human hybrids, you know, I went into that just a little bit last week. I'm going to read you one or two articles today and we'll move on. It's called a Crimea uh, in a Greek mythology. And that's a Crimea, the picture up above it, is, is, that's called a Crimea. In Greek mythology is a fire-breathing female monster uh, with a lion's head and a goat's body and a serpent's tail. And that is a cross, in mythology, Greek mythology, it was called the crossing of human with animal, and it was called a Crimea. Now, scientists have created sheep that are beginning to grow human hearts, livers, and gene modifications. Uh, you can say Alan has actually produced a complete heart yet. The answer is no. It's just that the, the genes of humans can now live in animals they know. So that's your beginning of, and some of that's being done now. You got the human-pig hybrid created in the lab that has created lungs that filter blood. And I went over that more last week. You can look it up online. Uh, here's just two of those articles. Now, I do want to say this. To use animals like a pig valve in the heart to give you a, a better valve in the heart, do I think that makes you a Nephilim? The answer is no. Okay, hallelujah. Yeah, I need to throw that in there. Yeah, that's helpful. And I thought about that last week. I thought, well, I need to maybe say a little more on that. That doesn't, that doesn't make you a Nephilim. A, a, a Nephilim is a, a demented uh, fallen angel uh, that has mixed with, uh, with um, human women to produce a toxic uh, um, offspring called Nephilim. And so, uh, unless you've got a pig valve that a Nephilim had been cast into, you're probably pretty safe. And, uh, and most of those that Jesus did that to, they've, they've been dead a good while. Uh, here's, here's something that, uh, uh, that to go along with that is an article on a farm about six miles outside uh, of town. Uh, Joseph Chamberlain looks over a flock of 50 sheep, many of them possessing partially human livers, hearts, brains, and other organs. The University of Nevada, Reno researcher 
talks matter-of-factly about his plans to euthanize one of his pregnant sheep in a nearby lab. He can't wait to examine the effects of the human cells he had injected into the fetus brain about two months ago. Uh, it's, he said it's mice on a larger scale. As, uh, as strange as his work may sound, it falls firmly within the new ethics guidelines. Uh, so there's where we're, is where we're problematic, is these ethical guidelines are being rewritten. The influential national uh, academies issued this past week for stem cell research. In fact, the academy's report endorses uh, research that commingles human and animal tissue as vital to ensuring that experimental drugs and new tissue replacement therapies are safe uh, for people. I thought you'd be interested in that. Here, one more pig hybrid created in the lab. This is where the lungs are. Uh, now, now, the interesting thing here, uh, here's what's interesting. Scientists hope the Crimea embryos represent key steps towards life-saving lab-grown organisms. Now, my question is, why did the science use, scientists use that word Crimea to describe they're cross, their crossing these genetics because Crimea is a term used in this mythology. But yet science is using that word to describe, I just thought that a little bit interesting myself, um, the Crimea embryos. So they're, they're, they're getting that definition from Greek mythology. And, you know, I, I wonder how much of Greek mythology is mythology, is myth. It is mythology, but it's we when we hear the word myth, we think it's something made up or untrue. That is not what that what it means. So just throw that in. They have good intentions, but few safeguards. Now let's get on out of that one. Uh, terrorists could develop a pathogen that could target humans, and, and we feel like we've gotten into a little bit of that. And I've talked about it, uh, uh, how a biological attacks. Uh, is the intentional release of pathogens. And we're seeing as what happens in these labs a lot of times, they create the virus and then they try to create the vaccine to kill the virus. But the question is, see, they're trying to anticipate what the next virus is. So then they get a patent on it and all that and everybody, you know, wigs out because, oh, no, this company's got this patent on COVID-19. Yeah, they've had, I've given... COVID shots to cows for 20 years. You see, but what happens is they create it in the lab. You can say, well, Alan, that's dumb. Well, it, might, it appears to me it's right dumb, uh, especially if you got somebody uh, that lets it escape out of a lab, which I'm of the persuasion that's what happened. You can say it was let loose or it escaped somehow. Uh, either way, I got COVID twice. That's all I can tell you. And, uh, but, but I hadn't uh, started speaking Chinese yet, but... I, I, I can tell you this, everywhere in all of the viruses, all of them are named after where they are generated. You know, you, all the different swine flus and, the, and you can go through all kinds of viruses. Most of them have the name of the place they came from. And, and we know this one came from China. The question, it's because of political correctness that they didn't name it the Chinese virus. And... Uh, that's another topic. If you want to talk to me about it, I won't. Okay. Now, here, now, now here, here, here's an attack. It can be an attack against people and all that. An attack on agricultural plants, animals would primarily cause economic damage, loss of confidence in food supply, and possible loss of life. Now, we know in times of war that 
that poisonous gases are being used. People are being poisoned. Uh, most people don't know about it, but when Trump was president, uh, Russia invaded Syria uh, with, uh, you can look it up, uh, with poisonous gases. Uh, Trump didn't make the news, dropped 70 missiles in on top of them, took them off the face of the earth. Trump called up Putin and said, don't do that again. And that was a conversation. Guess what? He didn't do it again. And you say, well, Alan, is, is, is that true? The answer is yes, that's true. Because when you're dealing with a tyrant, with a crazy man like Putin, he doesn't understand but one thing. And I know everybody wants to negotiate with this guy, but you can't negotiate with him. That's not who you're, that's like trying to negotiate with an alligator. All right. you, you know what I'm saying? People, I saw a guy the other day on the internet, he's got a, an alligator for a pet. Uh, you walk around with one arm. I mean, come on, somebody. So here, <laughs> with our, so we got, you know, some of our brains are sawdust or something. So with AI, here's the, here's the point. It's blurring the distinctions between man and machine. Now, the, this is just one example of AI, but the whole over, overwhelming problem is, is the blurring uh, between machines, the blurring, everything that's going on now. I've taught you this is the, the key thing to the prophetic is distinctions. Uh, when you start losing your distinctions, you start getting blurred. You start getting off, getting, getting off track when you blur distinctions. Like male, female, uh, black, white, just whatever. You're, everything has got a distinction. When you get to the scriptures, you've got a distinction. You got the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. You got the nation Israel. Those are distinctions uh, uh, to be made, so you can understand the Word of God. So as it is in the in the world today. So what's happening is the enemy's blurring distinctions. That's what happens with uh, Musk. As much as I enjoy watching what he's doing, I have a great concern, especially when you get to putting chips and brains and all that. Um, now, it's very hard. Here's a problem. It is very hard to create a program for AI without uh, consciously or unconsciously without structural bias. I mean, how do you create, who's going to create this AI? Uh, the hard right or the hard left? You know, you say, the problem with AI is it's hard to create it without a bias. Can you see what I'm saying? It, so if you're creating uh, artificial intelligence, well, it's with which bent or what automatically we think, well, okay, that's a bunch of truth that's going to be carried, uh, uh, carried in AI. But some humans writing the, write the program. So you don't, very seldom can you have a, uh, that's part of the problem with AI. You can say, well, Alan, you know, that's one and one equals two and all that. Well, it, it in the beginning, uh, people pretty much believed that AI would just be used for menial tasks. You know, it wouldn't have a... But now we can see that it's, AI is going into uh, to all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, when, come on, you got a phone that talks to you, right? Talks back to you. <laughs> that might not seem much to a lot of y'all, but to a dairy farmer, it kind of blows my mind. Now, AI presents three major areas of ethical concern for society. Privacy and surveillance, surveillance, bias, and discrimination. 
perhaps the deepest, most difficult philosophical questions are there, the role of human judgment, said Sandel, who teaches a course in moral, social, and political implications of new technologies. This is a guy at Harvard. Uh, and this is what he said. Can smart machines outthink us? Or are certain elements of human judgment indispensable in deciding some of the most important things in life? Now, that's a, that was in the Harvard Gazette, but uh, this is a Harvard man here. Uh, this is not a religious man, just a man who is constantly studying what can uh, AI, what can this uh, do to us? Where does the human element, can we totally do without the human element is what he is saying. Now, I've read a little bit of his stuff. I was very glad that he was delving into the moral side of things and, and all of that. So those are some of the problems we had. Could this, uh, now the question is, could this produce a demonic entry? And this is where my concern comes in. Can this produce a, a, a demonic entry? Now I'm, I want to try to get into a few things here to give you a little more understanding now on how we're made, how we think, who we are, okay? Just go with me here. Now, could this produce a demonic entry? Now, whether it be the Nephilim, when the Nephilim were, were created by fallen angels with women, it produced something. It, it, that was a, the fallen angels was an introduction to man, right? To mankind. So that was a demonic entry when you had the, the fallen angels sleeping uh, with women. Now, let me ask you this. Can there be demonic entries in my life? Of course there can. Yes, there. there. So that brings us to this understanding. The enemy's trying to find demonic entry into us. That's what we got to wake up to. You, know, you can be walking around here thinking, I love Jesus and I'm saved, and so all my problems are kind of over. I got normal problems. I don't have big problems. Yes, you do, because the enemy is constantly, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, trying to create and find a demonic entry into your life. That's what he's trying to do. And you say, well, I mean, I don't know the difference in that and, and sleeping with fallen angels. I mean, you know, if you're sleeping with the enemy, uh, and, and, and see, what happens is these lines get blurred in our mind, and, and we've done invited in uh, an entry into our lives, and we don't even know we did it, you see. And that's the reason it's helpful to have good Christian friends that will be honest with us and tell us the truth. It's because we're all susceptible to it, and we've all been, been duped to it. There's not anybody in this room, um, maybe one or two thinks you hadn't, but come see me. Okay. Most scientists have no understanding of biblical theology or demonology. Most scientists. The ultimate goal is to create a so-called pathway towards uh, immortality. Now, that's a huge statement. The ultimate goal is to create a so-called pathway towards immortality. And so the, we got this whole world system out now, and that's the goal, believe it or not. I mean, the great pyramids and all of this stuff. I mean, it, so there's not but one. Well, I'm going to get ahead of myself. I'm not going to say that. So the goal here is to uh, create a so-called pathway you know, towards immortality. Now, here's what happens. There is sin in us that doesn't want to die. It's wanting to be our pathway. So you got to be careful with your pathway. Uh, now, the truth is you can't trust your own judgment. Does that help you, anybody? 
You can't trust your own judgment. The only thing we can trust is the Word of God. Well, now, we can also trust this, the Holy Spirit of God. If we don't have an answer, the Holy Spirit of God, it'll... Listen, if you're a drug addict, drugs will find you. If you're a God addict, the Holy Spirit will find you. It's the Spirit of truth. And if you're struggling in something or whatever, listen, come on, God's in this game. And He'll send you His Holy Spirit. It can be through a person. It can be through His Word. Uh, it can be through a, a lot of things. Um, knowledge has no weight now or mass, uh, so therefore is not affected by time. Now, I want you to catch this. The things that are affected by time are the things that have mass. This is science, that's all. Okay? Uh, uh, that chair will be affected by time. Your car is affected by time, duh. Right? Anybody got a car that you buy brand new and the older it gets, uh, it's affected by time. How about your physical bodies? Your physical body has mass. So guess what? It's, it's affected by time. Now, now here's what I want. Please hang with me here. There, there's a pathway trying to be done. We've got the metaverse. We've got these other things. And, but what's happening is that part of you you have a body which is mass and time affects it. But there's part of you that time doesn't affect. That's the big thing that the enemy's after. You say, well, Alan, I'm confused. Well, hang, hang with me just a minute here. Knowledge has no weight or mass, so therefore is not affected by time. Knowledge. Uh, Google. Uh, knowledge has been around for thousands of years. It's, in other words, it's not affected by time. You, you get what I'm saying? Now, do you have knowledge in you? Yeah. It just so happens the knowledge that's in you is not affected by time. I think I, uh, you can take a computer disk and weigh it, and it will weigh the same, empty or full. Right? You can take a computer disk. And weigh it, fill it completely full, weigh it again, it weighs the same thing. Now, how can it do that? Because knowledge doesn't have mass. So knowledge is not affected by time. Anything that doesn't have mass is not affected by time. We've got oxygen, we've got air. Okay, now let, let me move on. Your body and brain are the hardware. We've got a body, which has got a brain, it's got mass. This is the hardware of while we're on this earth. Now watch this. Your knowledge or way of thinking is your software. It has no mass. Can, are you with me? I don't know if I'm being clear on this or not. I hope you can get it. So the way you think your knowledge or your way of thinking is your software it has no mass. So the way you're thinking and your knowledge is, is, is it, time doesn't affect it. That's what I'm saying. When God's Word says something uh, 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years, guess what? It's just as true now as it was then. Why? It doesn't have mass. Does that make any sense? So, so truth, time doesn't affect it. Now that's, that, that's really a big deal. What the enemy's trying to do 
is put non-truth in our software. It's trying to corrupt it. You know, we can play with sin all we want to and try to stretch it. Uh, but the enemy's trying to reprogram you. Guess what? God is too. You're now a new creation in Christ Jesus. <laughs> the Bible says you're now a new man. Right? Now, the new man that he's talking about, time doesn't affect it. Time doesn't affect the new man. How much does your spirit weigh? Nothing. How, how, what, what does your soul weigh? We say, well, I don't know, I'll carry the weight of the universe. Well, that's not true. Your, your spirit and soul doesn't weigh anything. So therefore, time doesn't affect it. Are you with me? Now, now, now watch this. Your perceptions are your al uh, algorithms. You've heard about algorithms? You know, you've heard uh, Facebook and uh, dare I say Twitter, uh, right? The, the, the algorithms. What do the algorithms do? That's, you set up algorithms in a Twitter or whatever so that, it, it, that it'll kick out. In other words, algorithms is how Twitter looks at what you say. That's, that's what it is. Well, your perceptions are the algorithms of the soul. Now, now go with me here. I hope I'm not trying to cover too much too fast, but here's the way it works. You create a perception. A perception is an observation. Is what it is. And a revelation. It's a revelation of an observation. A perception. Uh, perception is how you see things. So, so a perception is an observation and then an interpretation of what I just observed, but it's based chiefly off of memory. So if I, if I was 10 years old and a dog ran out from under a house and bit me and chewed my breeches up and hurt me, and uh, uh, when I'm 69 years old, I'm talking about me, I'm like Apostle Paul, I knew a man, all right? I'm not like, I mean, so every time I go by a house that's got an open front porch, I'm always looking for a dog to come out of there. It's amazing to me. I'm still looking because that dog came out from under the porch, tore my breeches and my leg up, went back under the porch. You might not believe me, but I never saw it yet. It's either a dog or a lion, but it barked. So I assumed it was a dog. Hey, you think I'm kidding. I've yet to see it. That's how fast it was. So that creates a perception. I go by a porch. I'm looking for a dog to come out under it. You see what I'm saying? So our perceptions are based off of, the problem is it's an, it's a, a perception is an observation and interpretation based chiefly off of memory. So then, therefore, I walk up to a house, got an open front porch, you'd think I, I wouldn't even know if there's a chair on the porch or not for looking for something to come out from underneath it. So that previous account affects my observation of the day of porches. You see, you see what I'm saying? So we can't escape that your perceptions are your algorithms of the soul. So does that mean I can be censoring? My question is, how in the world can you see reality with all these messed up perceptions? 
right? Some of us maybe had a daddy that slapped us, so we, we don't like anybody's daddy because I got slapped by my daddy, right? You say, well, Alan, that's not true. Well, I talked with the guy two weeks ago. That was true. So my point is perceptions create the algorithms of the soul. So how in the world can I see true reality? So what, and I've taught you this before in times past, but maybe a lot of you haven't heard it. It, it says in, in Genesis that we were created in the image of God. That word image is zakar, is a Hebrew word, and that Hebrew word zakar uh, means the remembering ones. So the very fact that we have the ability to remember is that part of us that's been created like God in His image. So the enemy knows that's that part of us that's been created like God, so therefore he wants to mess up our memory. He wants to give us these perceptions of this and mess up our memory because that's that part of us. Now, what does the cross of Christ do? I take my messed up memories to the cross. You see, there's not one thing that erases bad memory, and that's forgiveness. It's just the way it works, all right? It, 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 it's forgiveness. It's obvious I have not forgiven that dog. <laughs> There's something that... So what we're after as Christians, we're wanting to have an algorithm of the Word of God. And can anybody hear what I'm saying? We want God's Word, will, and way to give us our perceptions of life. Very, very important. I'm constantly working on my algorithm of past memory and because I don't want my perception. You can't get to reality. You can't get there with all these messed up perceptions because that's how you see things. Does that make sense? So, so, so now, so your perceptions are your algorithms. Algorithms is a process or set rules to be followed in calculations or other problem-solving operations. That's just the definitions of algorithms. That's what it's there to do. That's what our perceptions do. You set up this, and I mean, we can blame Twitter all day long for their algorithms, but that, that's what they're doing. They're trying to create a reality. Can you hear me? Trying to create a reality. Well, you can't have a reality by taking part of the reality out. Right? You've got to have good, bad, and ugly. People say, well, the world's a terrible place. Well, I understand that. But if we're going to see reality, we've got to see it all. Good, bad, and ugly. I have people tell me that, Alan, you talk about the bad stuff too much. And I say, well, I'm just in, trying to be in reality. I'm sorry. And, and I understand how some people, some people don't like to listen to me because I talk like this, right? Some people say, I don't know all that. I, that's, that's too much for me. Well, if you're in a prophetic class, you've got to know that. You've got to understand how, how it works. So algorithms are a process or a set of rules to be followed in calculations. And I bring that up is because that's what's going on now. Your soul operates through your perceptions. Just understand that. So do you clean up your soul or do you clean up your perceptions? You clean up your perceptions. That's the stored memory. That's what you clean up. Clean up your stored memory. 
Jesus said this, you don't love me any more than you love the least of the brethren. That's what Jesus said. That's a, so you pick out somebody in the church that you like the least, and Jesus said that's how much you love him. Wow. That messed up my perception. I don't know what it did to yours, but here we go. Now, your spirit is your spiritual body of the soul. Okay? Your spirit embodies, it's your spirit. For this topic, I'm saying your spirit is your spiritual body of the soul. Now, spirit and soul doesn't have mass. Your physical body has mass. So which one is time going to affect? It's going to affect my body, right? Now, your soul and spirit have no mass, so they are not affected by time. When you die and leave this body, your soul and spirit is not affected by it. It doesn't have mass. So your soul and spirit, you got to have mass to be affected by time. So now let me move on here a little bit. Now, the real you is eternal. The real you is eternal. Satan is trying to invade you. You maybe haven't slept with a male angel, fallen angel, but nonetheless, the enemy is trying to get into your, mess up your algorithm so that you'll throw out things of God and you'll just accept things of him. Well, that person hurt me, this person hurt me, that person, well, you got to forgive them because you're going to use that in your perception base. Now, the problem with a wall, you build a wall. The problem with a wall is it doesn't distinguish who it's not letting in. It just doesn't let, it just doesn't let it in. Walls can't distinguish. Well, I'm going to build a wall up. What you don't realize, you build a wall up. You build a wall up around everybody. Say, well, I'll let this one in. I won't let this one in because he looks like a dog under a porch. Or I won't let this one in. I'm not going to let this one in. So when we build our walls, we are selective on who we're going to let in. The problem is, if God sends you a messenger, they're probably going to be on the outside of the wall right now. So, now keep, stay with me. The real you is eternal. The real you, soul and spirit, is software with no mass. You are in a body that has mass that is affected by time. So we're in a body, has mass, it's affected by time. You're, the real you, the real you is a software which has no mass. All right, let's go a little further. You have a body, but you are not your body. It is temporary and disposable. It has mass. So I hate to inform everybody in this room, uh, if time carries on, we will all lose this mass to time. Everybody in this room. hundred years from now, nobody that's in this room will be in this room. All the masses will have reached, the time will affect us all. Now, the real you lives outside of time. You are an eternal being. Now watch this. Saved or not saved. You're an eternal being. Saved or not saved. Why? Because it doesn't, your soul and spirit doesn't have mass. Saved or not saved, you are an eternal 
being. Now, here, here's, here's the question. The issue is where you're going to spend it. That's the issue. You are an eternal being. I don't care what you think. You're going to live forever because you're not mass. Time doesn't affect your soul and spirit. Are you with me? The only way the enemy can get in and mess up our perceptions is because somebody's messing with their time. Anybody say, well, I ain't got time for this. See what I'm saying? When we start getting aggravated with the time, we're aggravated with something that has mass. So that's not eternal. The Scriptures tell us we need to put our minds in, on things that are eternal. Right? Now, if we got our minds on things that are eternal, guess what? The things that can bother you are the things that have time or has mass. That's the reason Paul says walk in the Spirit. Why? Because that's outside of time. You know, I've heard uh, people say, well, God's not uh, controlled by time. Well, you're not either. You're eternal being. So once we start, the reason I'm, I don't know if I'm doing a very good job or not, but the reason I'm trying to convey this is so that we can differentiate between what's going to go away right on the ground and what's eternal. Now the enemy is trying to mess with your eternal side. That's what he's after. Now, let's say, for instance, Say if you're saved, you've been born again, but you're not living for God. Matter of fact, if you're not living for God, that means you're not living for God. So therefore, those people that are around you, you're hurting them, not helping them in things that are eternal. So the enemy would rather use a good, lukewarm Christian than a non-saved person any day of the week. Can you hear what I'm saying? Can you hear what I'm saying? A born-again Christian can lead more people into hell than they get saved. Just by our very actions, by our lack of commitment to truth. We're live, we think we're being ourselves when we're just living life out of our perceptions of things that have hurt us in times past. I get all that. There's not a person in here that hadn't been hurt. Not a person in here that hadn't had a huge crisis. There's not a person in here that hasn't been appreciated or abused. That's right. I mean, the, there might be one, but all the people I talk with everywhere, I've yet to run into one, if they're honest and truthful with me. So we've all got it. We've all got it. But we have the power to overcome it. In the cross of Christ. And the reason I say that's important, you might not sleep with a, with a fallen angel and be a Nephilim, but I don't want to be a spiritual Nephilim because I've entertained and I've slept with the enemy believing lies. Believing lies. Now, that's a big issue in this day and time. Oh, my gosh. 25 after. Okay. The goal is to blur reality into a virtual type reality. A perception is more of a virtual type reality than a reality. The reality is a dog came out under a porch one time. 
is it I'm, I'm going to be wise when I get around a dog. If he runs out, of course I'm going to be wise. The truth is, if a dog wants to nail you, he's going to nail you before you even know you got nailed. So, and need worrying about it too much. So, now virtual meaning almost or nearly, but not completely, according to strict definition. So, a virtual reality means it's almost truthful. I'm just introducing to you what's going on in our news, what's going on in everything. Is there's a? It's like you can't find the truth. Everything's got a twist to it. How do we know what to believe? Did you know if you have a reporter that's got a real bad perception about cows and they're going to come to my farm and give a report on cows, how do you think that report's going to come out? It's going to come out bad. Why? Because they were milking a cow and got kicked or something. I don't know, I don't know what happened. But you have a bad perception so here's my point. A bad perception creates a bad report out of your mouth. What's a bad report? A bad report is a non-truth. You can say, well, Alan, the truth is they hurt. I'm going to say this. I heard James Robinson say, you say the truth is they, you can say they hurt me on purpose. And he said, well, the truth is you forgive them on purpose. You see, so there has to be an action on our part. Now, watch this one. Counterfeiting meaning is made in an exact imitation of something valuable or important with the intentions to deceive or defraud. Made in exact imitation of something valuable. Now, when we start getting into the spirit of the Antichrist, that's what it is. Uh, He's made in the, he's imitating something that is valuable or important uh, with the intentions to deceive and defraud. Right? So, but he got imitation, something valuable and important. When the enemy comes to us, it is something that would seem of great value, but hidden behind that great value is deceit. Are, are you with me? Now, let's move. The deception is to reduce your soul and consciousness to a type of virtual software, therefore needing a constant upgrade. The truth of God's Word is eternal. You, you've heard that before, I'm sure. It's, it's eternal. I hope you understand now why it's eternal. Because it's of spirit. It has the truth. This, this Bible has weight because it has mass. But the truth that's in this Bible is eternal. Time doesn't affect it. I've heard people say, yeah, Alan, but that was back then. I don't care. I don't care when it was. It's God's It's eternal. It's just as true now as it was then. Are you, are you with me? So as we start figuring out God's Word's eternal, listen, it's a big surprise to people to find out they're, they're, they are already eternal. When you got born again, that didn't make you eternal. You were already eternal because you got a soul and a spirit. So God's redeemed. If you're redeemed by God, that means that now your soul and spirit is eternal, doesn't have mass. Anything doesn't have mass is eternal. And so since it doesn't have mass and is eternal, that means something. To me, it means a lot when I'll know 
that I am going to reside with God eternally. That just flips my trigger to know that I will reside with God eternally. So what's going on here? What's going on here? I'm trying to work with my memory. I don't want all this virtual reality. Uh, I mean, we can say virtual reality, but the, what we're looking for is a virtual reality that's sneaking in as stealth. It's stealth, virtual reality. We're looking for the truth of God's Word. I want you to see yourself as an eternal being. I want you to understand there's two storylines going on here. Eternally, eternity, and anything that has mass is, is hung in time. So the chairs, our bodies, this building, anything that's got mass has a time element hooked into it. Our soul and spirit has no time element. It's eternal, hooked into it. So decide which house you want to keep clean. Decide, decide where you want to invest your time, your life, who you are. Decide. Do you want to put it into some mass? I want boats and buildings, and I want, I'm going to put all my time, all my efforts into something that has mass instead of something that's going to be eternal. I want to work on my soul, my perceptions. Listen. Satan is coming as an antichrist. He's not Christ. But believers, we have Christ in you, the hope of glory. Satan's tried to accomplish what we already have. Thank you very much. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word and your truth. Lord, I ask and pray if I'm said anything that's not of you, that it would fall to the ground. If anything that I've said is of you, I pray, oh God, it would be quickened to our hearts. Help us to see reality. Help us to see who we really are. We're spirit beings. We are not our bodies. We just have one for a little while. Let us, oh God, understand that. Let us live unto whom we're going to be and not who we are. Let us live unto eternity. That's a long time, God. And I ask and pray that as your children, we would bring eternity to this earth because it's already begun in us. Let it begin in us. Let us stir up the pot for the kingdom of God in this place is our prayer. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.